What's up, everybody? My name is Athena, and you're here to listen to Vanished in the Valley. Today, we are going to talk a little bit about Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. We are also going to talk about the USS Liberty and some of the crazy conspiracy theories surrounding that fucking attack that killed over 30 U.S. soldiers way back in the day. We are also going to talk about another crazy conspiracy theory that says free accessible energy has been suppressed, like brutally suppressed. So I'm going to tell you about some inventors and some of their untimely deaths. We are also going to talk about Hawaii again, because it seems like everybody in the fucking world, except those people in Hawaii who are suffering, have completely forgotten about the entire crazy fire incident there. And of course, there's probably going to be some side rants. So sit back, get ready for this. So first, we're going to go all the way back to June 8th, 1967, when there was a deliberate attack by Israel on the USS Liberty. This attack lasted 75 minutes. It killed 34 American sailors and wounded 174 other sailors. So this quote-unquote false flag attack was supposed to be blamed on Egypt, but it actually came out this attack was a deliberate attack by Israel. There are some kind of conspiracy theories that the U.S. government knew it was going to happen and allowed it to happen. So let's just kind of take a trip down the USS Liberty memory lane. One of the theories is this false flag attack, which basically sacrificed the Liberty and her crew, was a quote-unquote joint exercise between Israeli leaders and the POTUS, which was Johnson at that time. And we can't forget Secretary McNamara and other little fucking schemers being heavily involved. So the Liberty was basically an unarmed communication monitoring ship, and it was deliberately sent into that area where it was going to be attacked by Israel. And little side note, Israel was well aware this was a U.S. Navy vessel. The attack began with heavy caliber machine guns, cannons, napalm, and rockets fired from a number of quote-unquote unmarked Israeli aircraft, like they straight up took the Israeli insignia off these planes. The first part of this attack was taking out the ship's communication towers and the sole defensive weapon on the Liberty, which was a 50 cal machine gun, and that was for repelling borders. So they have their communications severed. A number of high-speed Israeli boats joined the attack, launching torpedoes at the Liberty with the intent of sending this ship to the bottom of the sea. After one of the torpedoes struck, the captain ordered the crew to abandon ship, and lifeboats were launched. But the Israeli speedboats began circling, strafing the ship with machine gun and cannon fire, sinking the lifeboats, which definitely is a war crime, and killing more crewmen. During the heat of the attack, crewmen were able to string a wire on the ship to act as a crewed antenna. This enabled them to contact nearby U.S. vessels with an SOS signal. Twice, fighter aircraft were scrambled to rescue the besieged Liberty, and twice they were ordered to break off their rescue missions and return to the carriers. And these orders came directly from Washington, a.k.a. Johnson and McNamara. Once the Israelis realized that their plan had failed and that the Liberty did not sink, all but one of the torpedoes they fired had missed the target because they fucking suck. 
and they realized that the Liberty was able to re-establish radio contact with the nearby U.S. vessels. The Israelis ceased fire in the assault and had the nerve to ask the crew if they, quote, needed help an offer that the Liberty crew declined. The surviving crew was able to get the badly damaged ship in motion and headed towards Cyprus, where they finally made port. Another little interesting thing is these Israeli motherfuckers literally napalmed the deck of this boat with the thinking that, you know, if they put napalm on the deck, they're not going to be able to reestablish communication. So they get to Cyprus and they were greeted by high-ranking U.S. officers who gave them strict orders that they were not to speak to anyone about the attack on threat of court-martial. These orders came directly from the White House, where President Johnson reportedly said, quote, I will not embarrass our allies. A lot of people have speculated, you know, theorized that the reason for Johnson's collusion with Israel on this treacherous false flag attack was that the sinking of the Liberty would be blamed on Egypt, and that would give the U.S. an excuse to dive into the ongoing war, possibly by attacking Cairo with nuclear weapons. But check this out. The Liberty did not sink. Israel managed to prevail victorious anyway, snatching much of the West Bank and Golan Heights in the process. Johnson shocked the world, announcing that he would not be seeking re-election in 1968. That is a straight-up attack, and I can kind of see how many people would think the U.S. government was colluding with Israel on that attack, just so we would have an excuse to go fuck up Egypt. I mean, Operation Northwoods. There's ugh, dancing is fucking Rayleigh's on 9-11. There's a lot of evidence for this shit. And now Israel is in another so-called fucking war with Hamas, and they're begging for money. U.S. tax dollar money. So, of course, the mainstream media is literally sucking dick to Israel, saying, yeah, we should give them billions of dollars. Let's keep funding Ukraine. But the last time I looked, America was suffering. The people of America are suffering. There's fucking tent cities, like we're some third world shithole. It's absolutely amazing. And President Brandon is going to go all along with it, send fucking Israel money, send fucking Ukraine some more money. Oh, well, it's hard as fuck for average Americans just to buy food, pay their bills. Like, get the fuck out of here. Those incidents I just mentioned aren't even like all of the situations Israel has caused with the United States. How many fucking times have we caught their spies here? You know, spying on whatever the fuck they're trying to do. I mean, I can off the top of my head remember at least five or six times these fuckers have been busted for spying on us who, you know, they're supposedly our ally. But why do they have their spies here? And I think it's kind of obvious, like the way the mainstream media is in this circle jerk of let's support Israel and not fucking look at the facts or mind our own fucking business, that there's pressure from their masters to get the American dumbass sheep to be like, yeah, let's blindly support Israel no matter what fucking happens. And they will. It's fucking people are still brainwashed about Kabobo. So of course the mass media is going to convince everybody that we need to send hella money to Israel and Hamas is just straight up evil and this situation is black and white, which is not. It never fucking is. Going back to the 9-11 slash dancing Israels, I just want people to understand the FBI did arrest them. And they were not Muslims, they were Israeli. They were fucking Mossad. They refused to take lie detector tests for months. And when they finally did, they failed. I mean, I don't know how much you can trust a lie detector test, but hmm. And if you try to look at the FBI report of that incident, most of it is redacted. 
So, I mean, is Israel really our friends, you guys? Should we really be sending them more fucking money and weapons? I mean, I don't, I don't think we should. I think we should find our own fucking business and worry about Americans and America first. I mean, is that such a crazy thought? Saying this shit and, you know, if you're like an influencer or some motherfucker on TV, that shit will get you canceled in a heartbeat. I can say whatever the fuck I want because I've already been canceled for telling people that masks don't work and you probably shouldn't be a part of a medical experiment run by a criminal organization. So I say what the fuck I want to say. But if you are sponsored by different companies and you say, you know, hey, let's not support Israel in this shit. Let's sit back and watch. They're going to pull their sponsorship. People are going to call for you to be fucking doxxed. It's going to be all bad. So yeah, good old American free speech. While we are on the subject of Mossad and fucking Israelis, check this shit out. Jeffrey Epstein survivor who testified against Ghislaine Maxwell dies in Florida. The kind of crazy thing is another woman who testified against Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself, also died in the same town. And these two women supposedly died of drug overdoses. Hmm. I think that's pretty fucking convenient for Jiz Lane, don't you? So I found this information in USA Today. Caroline Andranio, who was 36, was found dead in a hotel in West Palm Beach, Florida. And check this out, you guys. This was back in May, May 23rd. And I fucking never had heard about this until right now. This like story is just being published by USA Today on October 17th. So why the huge delay of when this happened and people actually reporting on it? So according to the fucking, I guess, the coroner, they're saying Andreno died of an overdose of methadone, fentanyl, and alprazolam. And if you go back to 2021, she is the one that testified that she'd been addicted to pain pills and cocaine and that she had taken them to block out Epstein's sexual abuse. Now, this woman was married, and she had five children. And like I was saying, she is the second Epstein survivor known to suffer a fatal overdose in Palm Beach County. Leah Skypatrick, who was 29, was also found dead in West Palm Beach Hotel Room in 2017. Patrick's twin sister blamed her struggles with drugs on Epstein. But yeah, uh, not one of these fucking perverts that were fucking these underage girls have gone to jail. And Ghislaine is just sitting in jail. I don't know what the fuck that bitch is doing, but fuck her too. While we're on the topic of drugs and overdoses and shit like that, check this out. Canada is going to legalize euthanasia for people who are addicted to drug. And they don't even have to have another illness. Uh, what? So Canada's medically assisted dying, which they call MAID, law is due to expand in March 2024. It'll include mental health patients, including those suffering from substance abuse. Like, what the actual fuck? You're not going to try to, like, I don't know. Hey, let's work through this addiction and figure out why you're addicted to shit and go from there. Nope, we're just going to fucking euthanize you. We don't got the time or money and you're not worth it to try to save. I mean, I get it. If somebody wants to kill themselves, that's all them. But I think what these motherfuckers in Canada are forgetting is that drug abuse, drug addiction is going to cause all kinds of chemical imbalances in the brain. You're going to become depressed, especially after you stop taking these drugs. It takes fucking months for your brain to get back to normal. And these doctors are just like, eh, fuck it. Let's just kill them. 
I I just don't even know what to say, Canada. I'm I I always think I like been astonished like to the fucking maximum from Canada news, and then stupid shit like this comes out. Yeah, I don't know. Maid is like, hold my beer. Now we're gonna kill people that are addicted to drugs. So I mean, I'm sure you guys all heard about the soldier, the Canadian female soldier who was complaining because it had been taking hella long to get a wheelchair lift in her house. And the doctors offered her fucking assisted suicide. Okay. Now that might not seem super crazy or wild, but like I always say, this shit sets a precedent and you have to think down the line, what are these psychopaths going to turn this law into? And yeah, I I don't think it's fucking going to be anything good. It's going to be a fucking death panel of doctors deciding who can live and who can die based upon a disease or fucking depression, whatever the fucking case is. And I don't know. It seems all bad to me, you guys. But check out these numbers. More than 10,000 Canadians were euthanized in 2021, which is a tenfold increase over 2016. Like, no fucking shit. I remember reading about some guy who was going to choose assisted suicide because he was disabled and about to lose his housing. And the doctor's like, okay, sure. We'll fucking give you a hot shot, put you to sleep, buddy. Like, what the actual fuck is going on? And I think I asked this last time. Why is Justin Trudeau still in power there? What are the fucking term limits in Canada? Because it seems like this twat has been like leading Canada off a cliff of fucking bullshit for way too long. But I know all politicians suck, but Justin Trudeau has a special place in sucking hell. Him and Daddy Newsome should probably get together and like do a circle jerk. Like, oh, your hair is so great, buddy. Oh, you got a great smile, Trudeau. I can fucking hear the ass-kicking circle jerk. <laughs> I can hear the ass-kissing circle jerk now. Like, ugh, God. And Gavin Newsom is such a fuckboy. Actually, so is Trudeau. They're both fucking fuckboys. And that's probably why they got placed in power. Because they can get women to be like, oh, they're super hot. I don't care if you're trying to kill everyone. So yeah, fuck Justin Trudeau and fuck Daddy Newsom. While we're on the subject of Daddy Newsom, this stupid fucker last Friday signed in Assembly Bill number 659. So basically what this law is stating is that no child in California can go into public school, secondary school, child care centers, day nursery, nursery school, family daycare in a home, or development centers unless prior to their admission to whatever institute they're going to, they have been fully immunized. And this bill, they're calling it the Cancer Prevention Act. It's going to basically force children under 26 years old to get the HPV vaccine. So I've talked about the HPV vaccine hella times. It has been shown to fucking hurt these girls that are being forced to get it, basically. A lot of people are calling this the Merck marketing bill. Because Merck is the manufacturer of Gardasil. So if you look into that vaccine, there's been all kinds of terrible side effects. And now they're going to force children to get this before they're allowed to go into any of those institutions that I just mentioned. And like, what the fuck? If you go back to 2008, Merck was sued and settled for $58 million because they had deceptive TV drug advertisements. 
Um, yeah, and now this fucking Merck bill is going to force children to get the Gardasil vaccine, which I swear to God, you guys fucking look it up. There are crazy bad side effects from this shit. But I'm sure Daddy Newsome and his fucking big pharma cronies are going to be making hella money off this bill. Because, yeah, that's all this motherfucker Gavin Newsom seems to care about is money and power and maybe fucking his best friend's wife. But yeah, now they're going to try to shoot up these kids with all these fucking bad vaccines. Like I've stated before, these vaccines have no long-term safety studies. So yeah, let's let's shoot up kids with this fucking shit so Big Pharma and Daddy Newsome can line their coffers with blood money. Sounds great, right? All right, you guys, it's change of subject time. We are now going to talk about the first entrepreneur who had a primitive form of solar power, which he developed in 1909. So I found this information about George Cove on a website called dsmog.com. And it opened up a hole as a rabbit hole. And I found so many other entrepreneurs in the field of, you know, free energy, which, by the way, would take money away from these fucking evil oil barons. But yeah, they all seem to uh, meet untimely deaths. So I'm going to tell you about George Cove, and then I'm going to tell you about some of the other people that invented different ways of basically free energy who met really untimely deaths. So check this out. There's an article in Modern Electrics from September 1909. And the title is Harnessing Sunlight. Basically, Cove invented household solar panels that looked almost exactly like the ones we have now. They even had a battery to keep power running when the sun wasn't shining. And like I said, you guys, this was fucking 1909. Cove's company was called Sun Electric Generator Corporation, and he was based in New York City. According to this modern electric magazine... They said, quote, given two days sun, the solar panel, but they called the device, will store sufficient electrical energy to light an ordinary house for a week. It also noted how cheap solar energy could liberate people from poverty by, quote, bringing them cheap light, heat and power and freeing the multitude from the constant struggle for bread. So fast forward one month to October 19, 1909, the New York Herald reported that Cove had been kidnapped and the condition for his release required forgoing his solar patent and shutting down the company. George Cove did refuse and he was later released near the Bronx Zoo. After this incident, his solar business fizzled out. Like just kaput, goodbye. So he is definitely not the first entrepreneur like this to get kidnapped, killed, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just a little side note, the Rockefellers owned Standard Oil. So, I mean, these motherfuckers have had a stranglehold on the energy market for fucking, what, a century? More than a century? So let's get into some of the other entrepreneurs and inventors who have met untimely deaths. Let's start with Ari Degas. He patented free energy technology based on zero-point field. He was supposed to fly to meet investors, but instead was found dead in his car at the airport in 2007. Then we have Stan Myers, who developed a working engine that ran on water. He died of a cerebral hemorrhage in 1997 after having lunch with two potential investors. 
His last words were, I was poisoned. We have Eugene Malov, a physicist who claimed to have a prototype of a free energy device. He was beaten to death in 2004, the day before being scheduled to make a public announcement about his finding. Then we have Mark Tomian, who patented a device he called a star drive that used zero-point energy. He died of a cardiac event in 2009 after developing a working prototype. And crazy little side note, his research went missing and is still missing to this day. Then we have Dmitry Petronov. He created a shoe-sized box a plasma battery that powered his home for 14 months. He just kind of vanished in 2010. We have Zachary Warfield, and this is a guy who communicated with Petronov and successfully created a plasma battery. He died in a boating accident in 2011. So that was just a few of these inventors that have met crazy untimely deaths. I know other inventors of water-based engines have just fucking randomly died before actually getting, you know, a prototype out to people or getting the word out. And I'm sure, you know, it's all going to be just chopped up to some crazy coinkydinks. It must be, you know, a really dangerous line of work. But I kind of feel like, of course, these oil fuckers are behind that shit. They don't want anybody fucking cutting into their piece of the pie. We also have the most famous free energy scientist who basically had his work stolen, disappeared, all that fun shit. Nikola Tesla, who died penniless and alone in a hotel room. So I don't know if you look at all these incidents throughout history of these inventors dying mysteriously or fucking disappearing or getting kidnapped. It might lead one to believe there is some funky ass bullshit going on behind the scenes. I really don't think it's that far of a leap. People have got killed for way less and free energy would definitely threaten these oil fucking barons, which I'm all about threatening the oil fucking barons. But yeah, if you do that kind of shit, you are probably going to get suicided. Now we have to get to the subject of Hawaii. And, you know, the big-ass fires that happened a couple of months ago that the mainstream media really isn't fucking talking about anymore. Everyone's now distracted by fucking Israel and Hamas. But even the mainstream media had reported, like, back in September, and I mean USA Today mainstream media, this is the title of one of their stories. Despite prohibition, would-be buyers trying to snap up land burned in Maui wildfires. And these are land developers. These are not fucking little mom and pop shits trying to buy up land. These are fucking billionaires trying to snatch up this property. According to Hawaii Governor Josh Green, he told the Associated Press that several people have made unsolicited offers to buy the land and destroyed buildings in the towns that burned down. His administration is launching an investigation into people who made the offers. And of course, the governor fucking didn't name names or anything like that. Apparently, on August 19th, Green issued an emergency proclamation, which really has no fucking power behind it. But whatever, we'll just keep going. This emergency proclamation basically said that, quote, making any unsolicited offer to an owner of real property located in the areas encompassed by the United States Postal Zip codes of 96761, 96767, and 96790 on the island of Maui to purchase or otherwise acquire any interest in the real property is prohibited. Now, I mean, it's a nice little proclamation and all that shit, uh, 
but I think everybody needs to keep their eye on what is going on over there. There are people still that fucking are homeless. They are being moved around nine, 10 times. A lot of other people are lucky and they had family on different parts of the island that they could go stay with. But I don't know. FEMA's a fucking shit show. The federal government is a shit show. And it really does mirror what happened here in California during the Paradise Fire when fucking people were living in Walmart parking lots in their RVs. And that was the lucky ones. Some of these fucking families had to live in tents. So yeah, I don't know, you guys. Let's not forget about Maui. Let's not forget that these people there are suffering and, you know, Bill Gates and fucking dumb shit Oprah Winfrey. Their houses are fine. And a little side note, these dumb motherfuckers are trying to like raise money for the fire victims by doing like a telethon or some bullshit. Uh, You guys are billionaires. Why are you asking for money from fucking average citizens when you and your billionaire bros could fucking help these people immediately? It's absolutely astonishing that, I don't know, these people can show their faces in those towns when they go back there. I don't know, you guys. I mean, let's not forget about Hawaii. That's literally my point because I don't want this shady shit to go down. I'm sure it's going to. But as long as we keep talking about what is happening there, maybe people will stay focused and get educated and see the shit show for what it is. Now, since we have all this crazy shit going on, like basically World War III, fucking Ukraine and Russia are fighting, fucking Israel's fighting everybody, I'm going to briefly tell you guys about a letter written over 150 years ago that predicted the first two world wars and said the third world war would be between Islamic leaders and the West. So the letter I'm talking about is from Freemason Confederate soldier Albert Pike. The letter was written in 1871, and it definitely accurately describes the first two world wars. So the predictions say First World War, which began in 1914, was triggered by the mysterious Illuminati, hoping to bring down Russia's reign of SARS. It says the Second World War, which came to fruition in 1939, would be fomented many years later by a clash between fascists and Zionists. This letter was supposedly written by Albert Pike in a correspondence to an Italian revolutionary, Giuseppe Mazzini. There are a lot of people that say this letter is a hoax. Um, Supposedly, it was displayed in a British museum until the 70s, but if you try to find any records, the museum says this is not true. It was never displayed here. Moving on to World War III predictions, Albert Pike states, the Third World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agents of the Illuminati between the political Zionists and the leaders of Islam. The war must be conducted in such a way that Islam and political Zionism mutually destroy each other. Meanwhile, the other nations, once more divided on this issue, will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economic exhaustion. We shall unleash the nihilists and the atheists, and we shall provoke a formidable social cataclysm, which, in all of its horror, which will show clearly to the nations the effect of absolute atheism, origin of savagery, and the most bloody turmoil. 
So like I was saying, this is a contested letter. A lot of people say it's a hoax because back in the 1800s, the word Nazism wasn't a thing. The word Zionism wasn't a thing. I don't know. I don't know if it's right. I don't know if it's a fucking hoax. But yeah, like I was saying earlier, it is claimed that the letter was on display in the British Museum Library until 1977. So I don't know. I wasn't there. I don't fucking know. I wasn't alive in 1977 and I've never been to the British Museum Library. I do find it extremely interesting. You know, even if it's a hoax, it's, you know, fucking sums up these wars pretty well. And I mean, look what's going on. Are we not already in World War Three? America's government is attacking its own people and, and trying to destroy our country. We've got Israel and it's never ending bullshit. Ukraine fucking Russia. It just seems like if you take a step back and look at all these stupid conflicts going on right now, it could definitely be classified as World War III. I think we all should just keep paying attention and watch the different tactics and psyops and the way these people are conducting warfare against each other and just kind of think about that. And imagine if you were in that situation, what would you do to try to survive? Just kind of get, you know, a little rough plan going on. Because who fucking knows at this point in the motherfucking clown world? I sure don't know. But I'm definitely paying attention to these tactics. And I guarantee you there's tactics we're not even realizing is happening yet. So just keep your eyes open. If you notice some funky shit, shoot a line my way and let me know. All right, you guys, that's about it for this week. Before I get out of here, I have to say what's up to our top three downloading states. We have the lovely Golden State, California. Georgia is in second and Minnesota is in third. That's what's up, you guys. Thank you so much for listening each week. If you have something I should dive into, rabbit holes are my thing. Shoot me an email at banishedinthevalley at gmail.com. As far as our international peeps, we have Canada, the UK, Australia, and Ireland. That's what's up, you guys. Come say hi on my Instagram page if you can get to it at banishedathena. Or check out my Reddit sub, which is r slash Vanished in the Valley. Until next week, you guys, be aware. And don't forget your fucking pepper spray. Cha-chao.